Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Dustin Matthews. Dustin, welcome to the show. Henry, I'm excited. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to have you. Uh, Dustin, as he describes himself, is a family man, an entrepreneur, a speaker, an author, and a tennis enthusiast, although with a recently uh, newborn, you probably don't get much time for that these days, I'm suspecting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so uh, he's also uh, a, a sought after, uh, by, or sought after rather, by the biggest names in business to monetize their message, mission, or movement. Uh, Dustin is a business builder and a marketing expert and the mentor and coach to the stars. Dustin is the co-founder of Speaking Empire, the disruptive, disruptive, well, something like that, disruptive company in the leadership and education space, whose chief mission is advancing the human race by empowering leaders to communicate powerfully, unlock their fullest potential, and ultimately step into their greatness. That's a lot said there, but that's really what we're going to get into in this episode is how we can unlock that power that we all have by communicating more effectively. Uh, Dustin is the author of many best-selling books and has shared the stage with athletes, business celebrities, and titans of business. His latest books, which we are going to dive into, his latest book, which he co-authored with Dan Kennedy, is no, A No BS Guide to Powerful Presentations, how to sell anything with webinars and online media, speeches, and seminars. So again, the short title is No BS Guide to Powerful Presentations. I've had an opportunity to read it, and so I've gleamed out of there a couple of, uh, not a couple, but a few items to discuss here in today's conversation. We can't get into all of it, obviously. you got to read the book. But it's a great takeaway, whether you're doing webinars or not, it's a great takeaway for any small business owners. It's packed full of great advice and tips on how to become more effective at communicating what it is that we do and that we're offering to our clients. Um, so further on Dustin, he's he's marketed and filled over 3,000 events and uh, he's uh, and, and has been part of leading 10 online product launches. Dustin has generated over $43 million in sales in his most recent research. Dustin codified a process for creating and selling products and services that he calls the irresistible offer architecture. And we're going to touch on that as well. And that recently received recognition by the United States Patent and Trademark Office. So Dustin lives in the Tampa, St. Pete, Florida area with his family. And again, in this episode, he's going to share with us his interesting journey, his experiences, how he got to where he is today, and then a deeper dive on how we can grow our small businesses through powerful presentations. So having said all of that, once again, Dustin Matthews, welcome to the show. Henry, well, I, I really appreciate that introduction. And so I want to make it real for folks listening in. And, you know, I uh, started off in the corporate space working for a company, discovered what you had mentioned about the power of, power of communication and have made the transition into to launching my own business and to working with, with many others. And so uh, despite all the accolades, I'm just a, a regular guy that, you know, has figured things out. And really the big, the big takeaway, the big thing I, I want you to uh, really understand is communication is everything. And in, in, in today's day and age, there's so many different technologies coming out that if we don't master communication as a business owner or, you know, a corporate entrepreneur, then we just don't 
further our stuff. We don't advance our careers. So I'm really looking forward to, to our chat today. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you being humble, but you have achieved quite a bit and you're exactly right. And I'm curious because I agree completely that communication is everything. It's, it's something that helped me become successful, fortunately, because I had that ability and it was able to to hone it and develop it. It's something that I instilled in my daughter as as to how she's going to get ahead in life. She's off to college now. I'm curious for you personally, when did when did you get it that communication would be how you would achieve success? Not necessarily that how it manifested itself in you becoming a speaker, but just that that mastering communication would be critical to success. When do you think you got that? Well, I, I've got, you got to keep me on track, Henry, because I, you know, I want to share this, <laughs> you know, in college, I ran from public speaking and in order yeah. to graduate, you had to take the class. And so long story short, I found a legal loophole to get out of it. So it's, I think it's funny because, you know, as, as people of the earth, you know, as entrepreneurs or whatever title you have, you know, there are things that happen to us early in life, things that we, we may run from. And I think those are our opportunities. And sometimes we, we, we run from them and sometimes we answer the door and, and life changes. And so, you know, I really recognized it when I was working with this company, it was a startup and we built this website uh, or the company built the website and uh, the founders had put money on their credit cards to get it thinking that, oh, they're gonna build a better mousetrap. And so they spend all this money, they launch it, and they get zero customers the first month. Mm. So they do what a lot of entrepreneurs did, including myself and a lot of people trying to figure out, let's make the product better. And mm. so more money on the credit card, website was better, zero customers. And so that's when the light switch went on. Okay, we've got to get customers. And so I was around that time when we were going one-on-one, door-to-door, if you want to call it that. We would go to uh, foreclosure auctions, we'd go to realtor offices, mortgage brokers, we, we would just go anywhere where people were interested in real estate. And we were doing one to one and we were having success, but it was just slow. And so one day we had the idea from watching what other people are doing in the space, rather than go one to one, let's invite them into one place. Hmm. And when we do that, we can deliver a message that gets people into action. Now, when we did it our first time out, we didn't get really anyone into action, but the premise was there. Get a lot of people, figure out how to give a message, and that will get people into action. And so whether you're a charity, a nonprofit, uh, for business, uh, or even in the corporate space, it's we've got to get people into action and we've got to figure out what's the message that's going to get them excited. Right. Right. So so fine tuning that message, how you say what you say, what you say. And then, of course, you're, you're amplifying that by bringing people together so that you can uh, communicate to more than one person at a time. But even when, as business owners, we communicate one-on-one, it's about getting better of how we do that, what we say, when we say it, that's critical, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm going to put this seed in here, too, because obviously with the nature of our conversation, we will most certainly talk about delivery and what to say and, and the structure as much as you'll entertain it, Henry. Uh, but I, I want people to hear the other side. And so my background, really where I'm fascinated in the world, uh, fascinated with is marketing. It's this idea that, yes, it's a message. Oftentimes you'll find it in print or Facebook ad or Periscope or podcast now, right? These are the new media, but print when I was studying newspaper, uh, direct mail, that sort of stuff. But there is what an idea that I want everyone to think about, which is this idea of choreography. And basically there are things that can be done to influence in a positive way. I'm not saying like, you know, pulling the wool over people. I'm saying ethically, I'm saying doing things that, you know, put yourself in a light favorably before you even open your mouth. If you're going to do a webinar or speak on a stage or enter that boardroom, 
And so what are those influence points that you can do ahead of time? And then most certainly after you deliver your presentation, what can you do afterwards to, to really get the people that are on the fence over the fence or maybe convince those that, that weren't really sold or needed time to process it? And so the message matters. It is important. And choreography matters too because it's all part of the process of getting someone to take an action yeah and what's exciting about that dustin is that we can all learn that choreography it doesn't take any special skill or or ability necessarily except for the the courage and the effort to try it but we can all apply that to how we communicate yeah, absolutely. I mean, a real crystal clear example is let's say you are going to do a webinar or let's say you do a live event. You pick whichever one that you're going to do or speak at an event. And so you can reach out to the people that register to come see you. You know, if you speak at someone else's conference nowadays or you speak at your local chamber of commerce, sometimes they have a registration list or sometimes because we live in the world of social media, there is an event online and you can see the people that are interested in going on Facebook specifically and the people that said, yes, I'm going. And so you can engage and have a dialogue. And so, you know, the old adage says it takes six or seven touches to make a sale. And again, I'm using sale loosely. It could be to sell a product or to solicit a donation or, you know, get someone to decide on something. And so you, you have to think about, you know, what can I do to engage people? What can I do to start the dialogue and conversation so that, you know, when they see me speak, it's not cold. It's not the first time. Right, right. All right. I do. I want to go back to, though, your days at FSU and struggling with the speaking <laughs> class. And, um, sure. and if you'll indulge us there, it, it, you, you tell the story of how you went through the you jumped through the hoops to get out of that class are you willing to share with us where where that came from? Have you analyzed where that fear came from? So many of us suffer from that. And so I think if you would share a little bit more of that, whatever you're comfortable sharing it, it would I sure. think, help a lot of people that are listening. Well, you know, I, I haven't thought a great deal. So you're making me even go further, which I love. I appreciate I appreciate the game and, and, and you delivering that value to me. And so, you know, my dad was in the military. And so we bounced around a lot and then he would become a, a an airline pilot. So we still bounced around after that. Uh, and so, you know, I always had to make friends. I was an only child. And so I had this fear of rejection. I had this fear like I wanted to fit in. And so I think for me that translated despite so many people having the fear of public speaking, it may not be that one, it may be from something else. Um, but that was my way of why I was afraid to put myself into the spotlight. I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to make friends um, thinking back now. And so for me uh, at FSU, I had to take this class. And I remember, Henry, there was 300 people in the classroom. And I walk in and the professor says, listen, you're going to have to do seven or 10 presentations. Three, three are going to be in front of the whole group. And seven are going to be, you know, in smaller breakouts. And I went nuts. I was like, what? <laughs> and so what happened was I retreated. I bailed from that class. And so the challenge was I needed to graduate. <laughs> I needed to move on with my life. I wanted to make the parents happy. And so I signed up for the class thinking I'm going to get a smaller breakout. Well, no luck. Same class, same spiel, same thing. Well, I'd like to say I conquered my fear in that moment. But I retreated again and I became so motivated I think I did more work than the class required. So I talked to st students, I talked to teachers, I read the student handbook, and no one, no one reads the student handbook. And so I finally found a loophole that got me out of it. And so that's the full, uh, full Monty with the FSU story. Right. So, you, I mean, you went through some great efforts to get out of it. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll get to it in a moment when in life you realize, all right, I need to put myself out there on stage, quote unquote. Sure. 
But you were perfectly comfortable saying, I, I just, I won't do that. That's not me. Would you have called yourself an introvert personality-wise back then? I still do. Now, they've invented this fancy term called ambivert. So I think I'm the hybrid of the two. That That's really what that word is. So at times, I love getting on the stage. I love seeing uh, transformation. I love seeing light bulbs go off in people's you know heads or in their eyes. And so I love that. But also, too, I have uh, this introvert inside of me that loves to retreat to the cave. And, and how that sort of manifests for me today is, you know, I'm in the marketing world, so I, I, I write a lot of words. And so I'm, I'm writing marketing, I'm writing emails, I'm doing a lot of different things. So I often like to just be in my cave, not be bothered, um, but know that if I'm just stuck there, I'm also not going to be as fulfilled. I need to go out into the world and get it. So I think I'm in the middle. Yeah, interesting. All right, well, we'll move forward a bit. You, you've told the story, I think it was on another podcast or something else I read perhaps of you being at a seminar and um, the influence that the Ultimate Sales Letter book by Dan Kennedy had on you, but there was something that clicked for you that you thought, okay, this is what I have to do, meaning starting your own business and moving towards starting Speaking Empire. Just tell us about that time frame and, and what did lead you to finally deciding I have to start my own business? <laughs> well, I was at the company, as I'll say, and we, we did great success leveraging this idea of one presentation and, and inviting people to webinars and seminars, and it was called Foreclosures Daily, and so we did $14 million in sales. But the challenge was it was someone else's company. You know, I'd got in very early uh, at the ground floor, but never to the point where I was going to have ownership, and, and I realized that. And so we also had all these speakers coming in now once we cracked the code that, oh, we should keep doing this over and over again. And so sitting through enough presentations, you're like, you know what, I can do this. Like, I need to go do this. Like, what am I waiting for? And, you know, it, although it was real estate and that's not really not my passion, I said, I can go out and do this in the world. And so I remember one day saying, listen, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go out and, and make it. And so I burned the bridges in a nice way. I put my two weeks in and everything the proper way that it's done. And so, I, but I, you know, said, I didn't know what I was going to do. And so I stumbled into a mastermind and I just came with the mindset of how am I going to provide value? Who can I provide value to? And so in that mastermind, I figured out what people's needs were. And I pitched the organizer of the mastermind. I said, listen, I have an idea that will help a lot of these people. It will help you make money. It will help them make more money. It will obviously help me make money. Uh, and so it's a win. And so I, I pitched the idea, but always coming from here's the value that I see. What do you think? And then coming up with the terms after the fact. And so that's when I went off, started my own uh, business, which eventually led to me actually starting Speaking Empire. Yeah, fascinating. So let me make sure I get the sequence right. So did you quit your job and then figure out what you were going to do I next? Did. I did. I didn't know. So did you have uh, did you have some savings? How did, how did you financially, how were you able to take that? You leap? know, I'm trying to remember if I actually had savings. I may have had no more than $10,000, but I had business credit cards at the time. And so uh, some people feel comfortable with that, some not so much. And so I, you know, I was younger in life. I didn't have a, a ton of, you know, I didn't have family and, you know, uh, people to be concerned with. It was just me. And so um, I leveraged small business credit cards uh, to really launch my business um, and, and get it off the ground. But I did not know what I was going to do. That's very brave. But so, and, and I've done it that way as well with the credit cards. But <laughs> So there, uh, that tells me that there obviously it clicked for you strong enough to say, I have to do this. So, and you said it as why you had to have ownership. Why did you have to have ownership? What was it that happened at that point? What were you thinking that made that click? And, and two parts of that, did you have those feelings before? If you go back to college, did you have aspirations of having your own business? 
Ooh, that's a good one. You know, my mother was always entrepreneurial and she, you know, she would always do arts and crafts on the side. So I always saw that. I dabbled with eBay in college. Um, and, and so it wasn't like I got to have this, you know, empire. I, I don't think I ever brought that mindset. And so I was going to school with the idea that I was going to get a job and that never materialized. And so then I had to make something happen. Okay. And so um, I did. And it was the entrepreneurial path. And so, you know, for me and the ownership, I had seen the growth. You know, we were an 500 company and in three and a half years time 14 million dollars and I said wow wouldn't it have been nice if I you know had a piece of it and I was there at the I won't say the very start but I was there early enough where you know I was one of the most I was like you know fifth in command and so um, I was there very loyal and I I didn't have any ownership I was just making a good salary for for a young person at that age and so that's when it said well gosh I you know I ought to I ought to think for the future and I ought to I ought to build something and so that's where we started speaking empire with my uh, partner, Dave Van Hoos. Um, he was reinventing. He was the guy that actually had started the first company I worked with. And so I, I uh, had left the company and he uh, was right in the midst of a real estate crash. And he said, listen, I need to reinvent myself. And I said, okay, what you thinking? He's a sales guy. And he's like, well, let's do a seminar. And I'm like, okay, what do you, what do you want to do it on? And he's like, well, all these people are asking me, how do I sell so well? And I said, great, all these people are asking about marketing. And I said, that sounds like a perfect combo. You, you talk about speaking and selling and I'll talk about marketing. Mm-hmm. And so we put 90 people in a room, uh, the old fashioned way calling. I had a small list, so I did some postcards, right? Old school. And uh, we got 91 folks, real estate speakers to show up in the room. We just leveraged our relationship and we made an offer. We made a presentation, a pitch, and we got one customer to sign up and, and Speaking Empire was born when that one customer signed amazing, up. Amazing, amazing. So a lot of takeaways there. One is it goes to show you, good thing you didn't burn that bridge literally and left on good terms, right? Because it ended up being, if I got it right, one of the people you ended up partnering with here. Um, And especially that early in life, I know I've made that mistake of not understanding that power of who you might come around to see again. But a question for you, we'll jump ahead. From being a business owner now, what what are one or two things that are of the highest value that you get out of being a business owner? Relationships for sure. And, and, and I'll break that down. Relationships with customers and clients. So just, you know, just as I show them things and, and give them ideas, I very much in return get ideas, strategies, and knowledge from them. You know, I get to learn about their marketplaces, what motivates their audience to take action, um, to subscribe, you know, their business models. And so it's a two-way street. And so I believe, number one, relationship with clients uh, there. Also, joint venture partners. And so I, other people that are doing the same thing in our space, learning from them, uh, building relationships with them is, is extremely valuable. And, and I think the overall, now that I'm kind of thinking, talking it through, Henry, I think education. You know, at the end of the day, I always say this, you know, you can take everything away from me. I could file bankruptcy, right? You know, if, I, if it got so bad, file bankruptcy, take everything away. But you can never take away the knowledge that's in my head and then the relationships right. I have, you know, as long as I, you know, don't stiff people, you know, in the end. And so um, that's what I think about is that, you know, I get to, I get to play this game. I get to learn a lot. I get to stretch, sometimes wanted, sometimes not, and uh, grow as a person. Yeah. And so I think that's the hugest value as, as a business owner. Yeah, that's great. I got to think that you, you think that with these relationships that you're building, if you lost it all, it's those, hopefully a lot of those relationships that then you would be able to leverage and mm-hmm and lean on to do it all over again. That's absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely From right. From a per- that, and, and, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Oh, I was just going to say, that's the thing. They, they can never take that away. Mm -hmm. You know, all the material things, you know, that's great. Experiences, um, you, they, you can't take experiences, relationship, and knowledge away from you no matter what happens in your life. Yeah. On a personal level, Dustin, what, what does being an entrepreneur give you? Flexibility and freedom, you know, and I'll tell you, I was, I, I wasn't thinking that like, I mean, everyone thinks that right. Freedom, the guy on the mountaintop or the girl on the mountaintop arms out. But you know, sometimes you get into a groove, uh, you may say even a rut and you maybe get trapped by your business. And, and I really want to go on the soapbox here and, and, and maybe one or two people are in this situation or uh, a couple people may be headed down this road. And it's like, you know, like you, you have freedom, but you know, when you start to hire employees and you have obligations to people, you, you feel trapped sometimes. And so you want to honor those and you, and you don't explore the world as much. And so a classic example for me is like, you know, I would go to events and I would be, I'd work so hard at the event. Then I'd go to my room because, you know, I didn't have the wife or the kids and I'd work even more, but I wouldn't go out and see the city. I wouldn't go out and have the fun. And so that's what business is about. It, it is about making money and having things um, that you might not otherwise have. And it's about having the freedom. And so, you know, for me, realizing that as of lately that I do have that ability, that flexibility to take a day off if I want to, or to stick around at a conference for another day to really absorb or really just to, to you know, have more fun, go on a dinner with a client in that town instead of staying in the hotel room. And so uh, if, you know, I made one person aware, uh, that's my whole goal is, you know, go out and experience, leverage what you're doing and do the work, but also, you know, go out and have fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that perspective. I call it, and I've been trying to get better at it as well, is enjoying the journey as well. When we get starting yes. a new business, we get so focused, it becomes our entire thing. And we got to remember to step back, like you said, and even if it's something as simple as enjoying an extra day on a trip, instead of it all being work, 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 why not say, well, why can't this be some fun too? Why can't this be an opportunity to expand my thinking, my network of people? Um, so that process, enjoying the process is something I've been trying to get better at. I'm with you. <laughs> All right. So is it at Speaking Empire then when you when you started the company, you were still behind the scenes or had you already overcome your fear to some extent of speaking? I can't remember the chronology of that. Walk me through that if you would. Yeah. So I'll, I'll rewind just a little bit. So I was at the company and uh, I one day what happened was uh, Dave calls me okay. and I was I was sort of Dave's assistant at the time. It was startup mode and I was just doing whatever I could uh, just to be in the environment. So Dave calls me up and I'd been there for a couple months and so I knew enough. And he's like, listen, hey, I'm closing on my condo. You need to speak. Now, <laughs> I said, Dave, let me explain a story to you. It's the same story I, ex I just explained earlier right. earlier in the interview, and but but even worse, like more dramatic. And I'm not the guy. He did not you know, know this. Is that, is that what you're saying? He didn't know that you had this apprehension. We'll call it to getting in front yeah. of Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He knew I was a techie guy, and he always tells the story in a funny way. Like I was hunched over in front of the computer because he was a he's a jock, and so he's an athlete guy. And so you know he makes he picks on me, and 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 it's funny. We have a little shtick, and so. Um, what ended up happening one day, he calls me up, he says, listen, you got to cover for me. And I, and I say, I can't, here's why. And he's like, listen, if you want to continue to have a job, if you want to continue to be, you know, be around this environment, you have to do it. And I said, oh man, no loophole here, back up against the wall. So I remember it was weird. I, I went home one day and I 
went home that day and I went in the shower. Now, I didn't know what I know now about meditation or <laughs> breathing. Like, I, I just, I didn't know that that world existed, but that's what I was doing thinking back now. I was in that shower, hot water was running over my head and I was thinking about, I was projecting what I was gonna do because I couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. So I, I started going into like fear, but like, okay, now I gotta prepare. So I get out of the shower, I'm getting clothes ready, phone uh, phone rings pick it up it's dave and he's like oh i got bad news i'm like what, what could be worse than me having to speak <laughs> and he's like the bad news is i'm not going to close on my condo today and i'm like oh this is great news i don't have to speak and so life was good again so i go to the office and uh, i remember because the next call came and, and henry who, who was the call from <laughs> um i don't know you lost me there it was from dave because so something else in- happened or something else came up so that, that it was that moment in life where, you, you know, you look at a phone or, you know, I don't know if checking an email or, you know, going to a meeting, you just know like your life is going to change in some way. You're not sure how. So phone rings and I just knew. And so uh, it was Dave. I take the phone call and he's like, yes, I'm closing on my condo. You got to cover for me. And so I'm like, OK. And so I felt like I was on this emotional roller coaster. Was he playing with you or was that, was that really? No, no. It was just, you know, like these real estate transactions. It sure, happens sure, this way. Sure. And it's like. You know, one side want, you know, we want to close, but, you know, paperwork messes right. up sometimes. So it came back together. I ended up doing the talk. And the thing that was running through my here, uh, my head, Henry, was this fear. Like at the time I was in my 20s. And so I have a baby face. So really, if you were looking at me, you probably thought I was like 16 or 17. And I thought, you know what, there are people that are, you know, almost triple my age at that time in my, in the room. Why are they going to take this wet behind the ears guy seriously? Why, you know, what if they just walk out? What if my flies down? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And so what ended up happening was it was great. Like I did the presentation, uh, people bought that night. Uh, they were excited. And, and what I found out was if you have specialized knowledge, meaning if they have a pain and you have a solution or a cure, people, they don't care what color you are, how old you are. If they have a legitimate pain and are open, they will accept what you have to say if you make a good argument. And so they did, and they didn't judge me. I'm sure they judged me, but not enough to prevent some people from moving forward. And so that's when I realized, wow, okay, the speaking thing, even though it's deathly crazy for me (laughs) at that time, I said, I got to do more of it because it generates results. You know, people are coming up to me and they're like thinking like I've written the book on real estate when, you know, I've only been here for so, so much time. And so there's benefit to putting yourself out there. You're, You're seen as an authority figure. This is Henry Lopez, co host of the How of Business podcast. And I invite you to schedule a free business coaching consultation with me. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business goals and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner, I understand the challenges you are experiencing, and often it's about helping you ask the right questions to help you make progress towards achieving your goals. I can help you get there. To find out more about my business coaching services, and to schedule your free coaching session, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. So when you get ready to present now, do you still feel some of that same anxiety or stress or have you channel it differently now, I'm sure? But what do you feel now before you go in front of an audience? This is a good question. I, I say it's the excitement that I 
makes me feel that and know that I'm alive. And so I, I always remember this interview and I find it really helpful, uh, especially if there's like, it's a big presentation or, you know, I, I'm feeling extra energy that day. Uh, I find this, this interview is in Rolling Stone about two musicians. Uh, one was at, was posed that same question, you know, after 40 years, do you still have it, uh, still have those jitters? And he says, you mean that, that energy that courses through my veins that lets me know that I'm alive and I'm excited? And I'm like, well, that's an interesting way to talk about it. And then they went and talked to the other person and and she was, you know, she owned it. And she said, yes, I hate it. I literally have to be dragged from the dressing room. Sometimes my, you know, know, I'll spare you the details, but sometimes my stomach is uneasy. And so she was world famous as well. And so it's just funny how one describes it. And like we started the interview with, communication matters and words matter. And so how you talk to yourself is just as important as how you talk to others. And so ever since I read that, I look to adopt that um, so that I can frame it positively. Yeah, I love that. Do you still uh, prepare extensively for every presentation? No. Is that still part of how you get ready or do you go mastered that as well? Tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm going to say no. And, and the reality is here at Speaking Empire and just anywhere that you are, sometimes you're going to get the call, you know, an hour before, five minutes, or maybe you're in the audience and the speaker cancels and they come to you. And so in that case, you can't prepare. Uh, in other cases where it is a big presentation, I want to nail it or it's new material, I absolutely do prepare. And I'll tell you this, uh, here in our building in Largo, Florida, we have a, uh, a an event room and it has a stage on it. So it's one thing to practice you know, in your room or in your office, but if you can get yourself on a stage or you can at least walk around, not just sit in your chair and recite it, but walk around, do body movement, it's just going to make you that more comfortable when you actually go onto a stage because it's like muscle memory, just like athletes do. And, and of course, you now, uh, you've embodied this this formula and you talk about it in the book, the, the speaker's formula. So you bring to it that skill now, that conscious competence that allows you to, even if you don't have a lot of preparation and it's an impromptu situation, you've got that choreography down, right? That's right. And so... You've got to be prepared for when things happen uh, in life, when last-minute opportunities uh, come up. And so when you, when you choreograph everything as much as you can, you know, at that point, you can only do so much. But when you keep that in mind, there's things that will alleviate that pressure or that stress from your actual performance. And so this idea of choreography is powerful. And, and, and to, to make it real for you, you know, if you think about the Blue Man Group or your favorite opera or, you know, whatever you're into, uh, you know, a performance, a performing art, you know, these folks, perf- they practice and practice, the lighting people practice and practice to make it one heck of an experience for us. And sometimes we're just paying, you know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, but, you know, th- th- that's how dedicated they are. And what I find with most most, you know, salespeople, business owners, professionals is, you know, they get caught up and I'm, I'm in the same bucket too. We get caught up in the day to day. We get caught up in the other things and we're not practicing the things that matter. And the reason why I'm giving a lot of thought to this and bringing it here is because, you know, how many opportunities are you going to have in front of your ideal audience, whether it's virtual or live, you know, if you've got 50 of your best prospects, when else are you going to get that, you know, all in one place at the same time? And so are you giving the attention to it that you deserve, that they deserve, so that you can get the result that yeah, you want. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then you talk about in the book, which was a great takeaway for me, is having your signature presentation uh, always ready. Introduce that concept, if you will, of a, of a signature presentation. Yeah, absolutely. So most, if you're going to be in the 
you know, if you're going to position yourself as a brand rule, you know, you ought to be known for at least one thing. You, you can be known for more things, but, but really when you're first getting started, it's beneficial if you're the guy or the gal for email marketing or social media or for podcasting or, you know, for, you know, financial tax software, you know, and then you can always branch out from there. You know, if you, if you look at Zig Ziglar, you know, one of the greats in, in the business, you know, he started off selling sales material, uh, selling material. Now he, you know, known for motivational speaking. And so he became known as a sales trainer, then moved into, you know, motivation, what he became known for later, just like you see certain businesses, uh, you know, reinvent themselves. And if they don't, uh, they, they get into trouble. And so, you know, you think of, you know, Netflix, you know, started off one way with the, the DVDs and now they're known for now producing content. So you want to be known for something and then you can pivot from there. And so when it comes to your signature presentation, you ought to have something that people know you for, like an act, like a, com- a comedian has. And the signature presentation is, you know, what do you want the world to know about you and what is the best content that you have to deliver to the world? Okay. Yeah, and that, that was such a great takeaway because, again, it applies to any type of business owner, or at least most types of business owners. Again, whether whether you're communicating with your prospects or customers online or not, it doesn't matter. And we all want to leverage, but again, that's why I wanted to do the deeper dive on the, the fears and what keeps us from doing it. But we all have so many opportunities that if we take advantage of them and if we do it well, the result is more customers, more people walking in the door, more people calling you. And there's all kinds of opportunities to do that, whether it's at a, an impromptu chamber of commerce event or like you talk about in the book, you look for those opportunities of where those people, those connectors, as you call them, where they're gathering. All of those are huge takeaways, I thought, in this book about how we can apply that to our small business. Um, you've got a lot of experience working with those types of small business owners how else does this manifest or do you get that pushback? Let me ask that of, well, well, I don't, I don't do online seminars. I don't, so I don't need this because I don't really need to learn how to present. And I, I say hogwash to that, but give me your perspective on that. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely get a pushback for sure. And, you know, to really, to really get the most out of anything in life, you really ought to ask yourself, you know, what's the takeaway? What am I supposed to learn versus like, will this work for me? And so, because you're already, you're already saying, you're already putting it in a negative light. And so what are you supposed to take away? And, and really this conversation is about influential communication, you know, whether you're in the boardroom or corporate or your small business, you're just getting started or you're in business. At the end of the day, we have to get our team into action. We have to get, you know, our prospects into action. So what's the message that's going to get them? And I, and I like to say this, Henry, now more than ever, there are so many media, there's so much technology right now and more is coming that it's forcing us to communicate meaning like you could hide out before and so now you've got snapchat you've got periscope we've got facebook live you see the rise of podcasting all these things are coming together putting business owners and entrepreneurs into the spotlight and some of them are doing it well and some of them not so much and so this is a great thing because it's it's making um, these technologies that cost lots of money uh, before to have access to you know now available to every business owner so that's great the challenge is is how do we deliver a message that gets people into action? And so, you know, the book obviously, you know, talks about webinars, speeches, online media, but really it is a formula for influential communication, whether you write it down, uh, you know, on your website, whether you put it into an email, whether you actually speak it on a podcast or, or webinar. Again, it all comes back to is how do I get someone 
to take that next step, whatever the next step is in your business or in your world. Yeah, well, well said. And to your point about technology and where we're at today, I, I, our customers and our prospective customers, are they want that from us. They want to know who we are, especially as small business owners. We don't get to hide behind our corporate brand. And even in that space, you could argue you can't do that anymore. But certainly as small business owners, which, which is who I am and who our listeners are, we have to now embrace this. And so to do it, to do it well, to get better at it, we need to apply these uh, or expand our skills. And so I want to dive into the formula a bit. It's a 12-step process. Obviously, we're not going to cover <laughs> it in, in this conversation. But there are a couple that, that stood out that I wanted to chat about. Uh, number eight in specific, show benefits. And that one, of course, uh, stands out to me with, with my sales background and, and the keys to making sure we're communicating benefits. As you say, the more you teach, the less you sell. Uh, talk to us about that and why it's so important to understand that it's about the benefits, not the features. Yes, yeah, Henry, this is a good point. So uh, the one mischaracterization of, of that quote that I want to say, uh, the the more you teach, the less you sell, is people naturally, in, in, especially in, in the world that I've been around or the people that I've been around, people naturally want to deliver massive value. They want to teach. They want to give. Uh, maybe we attract a lot of teachers or just people of that ilk. But naturally, people, that's how they think they're going to win you over is, is teach you to death. And so I say that to polarize and, and make people question and not to not teach people. Like you should deliver massive value for sure. But I say that line to get people aware that there's something else, that you do need to sell people. You do need to remind them the fried value around the benefits. So teach them an idea, show them a concept, give some case studies and social proof. Just because I tell you something doesn't mean you accept it. But now when I share a story about somebody or something or some company that has used the process or used what I have to share, then we show the result. And so the results are great. People like results, but they want the they want to hear the benefit too, such as, you know, if you're, you know, in corporate that you moved up the car or the corporate ladder or you got a pay increase. If you're in the business world that you were able to double sales or that you were able to, you know, take that vacation that you've always wanted um, but were just afraid to do. And so a lot of people they forget to remind people of what the benefits are. And so yes, people need logic. They need to be um, persuaded. They need all the facts, but they also need to be reminded too of the benefit. And so this isn't about just load them up with benefits and give no value. It's about the marriage of the two to really get people to take that next step. Yeah, great clarification and explanation. But but again, people buy benefits. And if it's about influential communications, we're trying to influence someone to take an action. And again, this isn't about tricking anybody or conning anybody. This is about We've got a service or a product that we know offers value, but we have to communicate that value in a certain way for people to take action, even if that action is to tell me more, right? Yeah. And, and I, that's a key thing that, and why that one was so powerful is it applies to whether I'm speaking or whether I'm communicating, as you said, in writing or in copy that I'm writing or an ad that I'm creating or, or the content on my website. I think it's something as small business owners, we often forget or don't understand what the difference is between a feature and a benefit. Yeah, you know, what do I want to say? I want to say that a lot of people get lost in, in the teaching. And so they definitely need to lay, layer in the benefit to, to really excite people. And I think if you just take a look at the message that you're giving and saying, well, so what? This is a, a great tip or exercise. So what? So if there's a line of copy on your website right now, I want you to say, say so what? 
and then think about what the answer to that, you know, defend it, then say, you know, this is the answer. And then if you really want to go to the next level, say, so what again? And so this is this now kind of gets into the benefit of yeah. the benefit. So sometimes, you know, as an example, it, you know, you see this done well on brand advertising if you sort of read into the, you know, uh, commercials on TV. And so as an example, you, you know, you can double sales. Well, okay, that's great. You, you double sales so that you can go on that vacation that you've been wanting to go on so that your two-year-old you know, has the smile of his life at Disney when he meets Mickey for the first time. So the benefit was obviously make more money, right? Next benefit is take that vacation. Okay, great. Next benefit is so the smile on the son's face on your son's face when he sees Mickey for the first time, right? And so it's like you, you can't put a price on it, you can't put a value on it. And so you've gone at least two levels deep, some may say three levels deep in painting the benefit and just that statement there. Yeah, love that. When you when you were talking about the so what, that took me back. I had a, a great sales manager back in the '90s. His name was Steve Ball, and when we were practicing presenting or going through training, he'd hold up a card. It would say that said so what. Oh, right? I so love it. That was drilled into me very early on. But that's a, <laughs> a great takeaway. All right, and then I'll jump to step number twelve because it also stood out to me, and we've touched on it because I think this is also where we fall short sometimes in communicating is the call to action. So share with me a little bit about that, why that's so important and how do we effectively communicate that call to action, either in our signature presentation or in whatever else we might be using to communicate with our customer or prospective customer. Yeah, this, this is great. And, uh, and I'll, I'll just go to like a web page example because I want to make it like I know people listening in are getting massive value from the, the presentation stuff. But, you know, I know there's some people on the fringe that are saying, you know, well, you know, I have websites and stuff like that. So, you know, if you take a look at your website or any sort of printed material and you don't have a strong call to action, meaning you're not telling people what to do at the end or throughout. If you're if you've got like a long sales letter, you do it multiple times or in your you know presentation one on one with somebody saying, you know, this is what I want you to do next. And, you know, an objection may come and then you overcome that objection. So the reason why I really give effort to this one and bringing this out is a lot of people just make the case and then they're like, well, if you want to do business, you know, let, let, let's do it. And, and that's not that's not strong enough. And so if you believe in your service, you've made the case. Now you just need to tell people what to do. So the next thing that I want you to do is click the button below. Right, so if you shot a video, click the button below, enter in your email, enter in your name and your phone number, and that will take you to the next page. And so that's real clear. You don't have to make people guess. And, and I think a lot of people say, well, I've made the argument, and now they should just know what to do. And the thing is, is we don't know what to do, right? We get distracted, right? We may have our cell phone out trying, to, you know, while we're reading your web page. And so just tell people what to do and they will do it. And, and a lot of people miss out, especially when it comes to a presentation. And so, you know, generate a lead, make a donation, buy my product or service. Got to have strong, clear calls to actions because that's what people are looking for. They're looking for instructions. They're looking for the next step to take very detailed. Yeah, what do I do next? And what I've been pushed back on, Dustin, is people say, well, that's too salesy or I don't want to come across as too pushy. Mm -hmm. But you got to do it within what fits for you, of course. But you but you have to, like you said, you have to help people decide what do they, what are you asking them to do next? But that's that's what I've often heard. I'm sure you've heard that as well, is that I don't want to come across as pushy. I just want to share my knowledge and then leave it and let people decide to do with it what they Absolutely. wish. Absolutely. So there's a couple of things I'd say to that. And I get it. In some environments, you have to tone it down a lot. So I totally respect where some people are coming from on that. The other thing I would say is, great, let's let's stay there and let's analyze the presentation. Did you let them know earlier in the presentation that there will be an opportunity? Did you let them know that at the end of it, you're going to ask for a decision? You know, it can be yes or no. And so 
you ought not wait to the very end because yes, it may come off yeah. abrupt. Like where did that come from? And so one, if you choreograph it and you do stuff in marketing or the lead up communication ahead of time, they would know. Two, you want to do it in the beginning of your presentation. And then three, the other thing is you want to build momentum. And I think a lot of people miss that. And so, you know, back to the old sales adage, you want six or seven yeses to make a sale. You know, throughout your presentation, you want to check in with your client. Uh, you know, if it's one-on-one, -on -one, it's very easy to do. You ask them questions. If you're in an audience or on a webinar, you can have them type in a chat box or, or post a Facebook comment or LinkedIn thing. Or, you know, on the stage, you say, let me see a show of hands. You know, that's how you get a mental yes. And so... I get that, you know, for people that are waiting to the very end to do a call to action and not letting people know that there's a sale coming, it may come off as abrupt. It may come off as the wrong way. And so you do yourself a better service by letting it know, let them know right away. So the pressure is removed. And then two, getting yeses throughout. So then naturally, people want to have the solution. And again, they may say no to you. You may get rejected, but at least you know where you stand and you may overcome that objection or they may not that's be right. interested. And so that's what we want as salespeople, as business owners and entrepreneurs. We don't want to be in limbo. We want a yes or no. And that's fine. Yeah, no, it's great stuff. And it, it keeps going back to a lot of what you keep touching on and you cover in the book so clearly is like you said, this choreography, the things that happened before how I deliver the message, the things that happen after. You call it the the controlled ecosystem of everything that happens. What's so exciting about that and what it, and really what excited me to a big extent about the book is that for anybody who feels like, well, I'm just not, I'm just not good at that. I'm not good at sales. I'm not good at presenting. This gives you that framework to execute on that anybody can become better at and take away certain skills, certain things to improve on so that I'm more and more effective. And let's face it, the better I get at something, the more I like to do it and the more I'm willing to do it. So that's what I loved overall as the takeaway. Uh, key point though, last key point I wanna touch on is this concept of connectors that I touched on briefly. I'd like you to introduce that because again, it was another concept in the book that applies generally to any business. As you say, every business is trying to connect with people that either are the people that are their ideal customers or that can help them reach those ideal customers. So introduce this concept of connectors, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. You know, some people call it connectors, uh, joint venture uh, partners, uh, strategic partners. So, that, you know, they know a lot of different uh, terminology. There's a lot of different words for this. And so it's this idea that someone out there already has your, your tribe, your universe, your ideal customers, whatever you want to call it. And so the idea is how do you connect and build value with those folks? And so as an example, when we launched Foreclosures Daily, uh, what we did is we found people locally that had an email list of people that want to discount real estate houses. Well, we were selling real estate education seminars. So it wasn't the perfect match, but you know, there's the law of averages. And so we connected with these folks, built relationships, and we motivated them either by money. We said, listen, if you send someone that buys uh, our program and service, uh, we'll give you a cut, a commission. So some of them like that. Some people said, well, you know, you know, what if they don't buy, you know, I did all that work and effort for nothing. So I just want you to pay me, you know, $500 to send a couple emails to my list. Okay, great. So we do that. The other way, which is we did in the beginning, uh, because we didn't have a lot of bankroll, was is we said, listen, we're going to do an event. Why don't you come and speak for like 10 minutes in front of it? We're bringing some people that you might not know, and we'll give you the list. And so we figured out how to build value for that person. And so sometimes they would speak, sometimes we would just gift them our program or course. 
And so the big idea here is that there are already people out in the world right now, people, businesses that exist, that have access to a Facebook list, that have access to an email list, a direct mail list, a promoter that does an event. And so the idea is how do you connect with them and not come off like, hey, well, why don't you send an email? Don't don't be that guy or gal, but say, listen, how can I build value for you? You know, you've got to do a little bit of research and make yourself valuable to that person because people want to do business with uh, folks that they know, like, and trust. And so if you want to connect your way to that, you've got to put some work into it. You've got to build some relationship and you can at times get access to something that would cost tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds or millions of dollars just by striking up the right relationship with yeah. the right people. I love that. It's such a great takeaway. And again, it applies to all types of business. If I'm talking about a brick and mortar type of business, maybe a traditional business, I could identify other people who are reaching that same audience and perhaps cooperate, cooperate maybe on a joint advertisement, cooperate on on how we might be able to, you know, put together a package offer. There's all different ways to apply this concept of leveraging those people who already have a connection to the audience that I'm trying to reach. Um, and, and the thing is, and you talk about this specifically in the book, you talk about no matter how much you spend on advertisement and how known you are in the market, if these connectors are blocking you or if you're not leveraging them, you're just going to spend a lot of money that's not going to get you where you want to go. And so that's the amplification of that is powerful as well. Absolutely. You're All right. So we'll start to wrap it up. We could talk about this forever. The book is fantastic. Again, it's it's called uh, <laughs> The No BS Guide to Powerful Presentations. Who did you write the book for and why did you write it? Well, actually, I wrote it. What's interesting about the book is I wrote it with my mentor, who's uh, Dan. His name is Dan Kennedy, and uh, I, I appreciated you so eloquently saying the title. Most people trip up on it because it is a, is a lengthy one. And my inside joke about that is uh, my the, the person I wrote it with, Dan Kennedy. He's one of the highest paid copywriters, so uh, I always say that he gets paid for every word that he yeah, writes. Yeah. So you know, the, the more in the on the title, the more money he makes as well, uh, which I'm okay with that too. <laughs> so. You know, I really wrote it for the business owner and entrepreneur that was, number one, afraid like I was in school of speaking because it just, you know, is the top fear. Number two, I wrote it for people as well that said, you know, I don't know if, you know, speaking is right for me. I don't know if webinars or this whole thing is right. You know, I'm, I'm sort of retail or I'm sort of doing this. And so I, I wrote it to offer up new ideas and strategies because if you continually do what you did, you're going to be put out of business, right? I mean, there's countless examples of this happening in big business, you know, companies going under, under Blockbuster, almost, you know, almost dead, not there yet, but almost and so many others. Uh, and so you've got to reinvent yourself. You've got to make it an experience. And so the other thing I, I wrote it for, obviously, was people that are already speaking. You know, they, they understand the value of if I, if I can just convert, you know, 1% better or 10% better, you know, every time I deliver a message, well, that's going to compound over life and it's going to get me there a whole lot quicker. And so that really was the, the audience that we had in mind for the, for the book. Yeah, that's great. Dustin, I have to think that if it were not for that tremendous fear you had, you would not have become such a student of how to do it well. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, and, and here's, here's, I think, to add to it. You know, I read a book by my mentor that I wrote the book with Dan, uh, you know, about 10 years ago. And, you know, coming out of school, 
I was a techie, introverted, nerdy guy, uh, and I own it. I'm, I'm happy to own it. And you know, the thing was, is I read one of his books about this idea that we could put words on paper, or we could put words on prints. That, that's what, what the premise of the book was, the ultimate sales letter, and we could get people to take action. And I said, whoa, you know, like I, you know, I was learning computer stuff. I wasn't. I didn't take any marketing. I never took business in, in school. Not that they would have maybe taught me that. But I said, wow, if I can understand this, this idea of, of putting words somewhere, wherever you're going to put them, you know, speaking or paper or Facebook, wherever, you can go anywhere, right? Because at the end of the day, you've got to get people into action no matter what you do. You've got to get them to take next step. I know I sound like a broken record, but, but that's the thing is like you, you, if, if you can master that, you can go into health. You can go into tech. You can go into, you know, wherever, retail. You can go wherever you want to go understanding that skill set. And so I learned that early on. And then also I think, you know, when I discovered that one of the media was speaking and it was my fear and uh, the opportunity presented itself, Henry, I, I think, you know, coupled with that, it, it really put me on the path to where I am today. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. All right. So give us the brief elevator pitch, excuse me, pitch <laughs> on speaking empire. I think that's your primary business today. I know you have another company, but tell us a little bit about the services that you offer your clients. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, what we, we determined is, you know, you can read books and, and love reading books and, and I act on ideas out of books. But I also understand, too, that some people are so busy, especially entrepreneurs, business owners. They're so busy that they don't find the time to, to work on the things that they need to work on. So we created a whole business around helping people write presentations originally. And now we help people not only write uh, presentations that get people uh, moving, but we also help them get eyeballs. And so it's all about audience. So how do you get people in the room? And so what we do is we offer an experiential uh program here in Largo, Florida, where business owners fly in, we work on presentations together, we work on other parts of the business together, and it gives them an escape to get out of the day-to-day -day and the distractions to come and work and build assets for their business. And so that's what Speaking Empire is all about. And, uh, you know, we're evolving all the time to figure out how do we amplify the message, how do we convert better, and then how do we get it to more people? And really, that's the core of Speaking Empire. Wonderful. And then you touched on books. Is there a book that comes to mind besides your own that you would recommend to us? I can't say my own, <laughs> we've Henry. Talk, we've talked I'm about it quite kidding. a bit, and it will, and it definitely I, will no, be on the show I, notes I, page. Look, I recommend it. <laughs> I am just kidding. I, I, I don't want to be that guy. You know, uh, uh, around the connect, around the connectors idea, because I have helped. Uh, well, I've started my own business and speaking empire, and then I've you know foreclosures daily. Those were built on this idea of hey. I'm not Nike. Uh, I'm not Coca-Cola or McDonald's. I don't have, you know, $100 million in advertising. And I had to do things really on the credit cards and, and, and grunt work. And so one book that I'm really, uh, really changed my world was Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. And it's a book on really how to connect uh, and really how to build value for people. And, and basically coming at it from, listen, you're not asking for anything. You're just asking how you can serve. So don't be self-interested. Just come with that value uh, there. And that book really opened it up. And so what I did with that book is I said, okay, connecting with everybody is great. And I will do it. However, when I put myself into environments where there are influencers or people with, you know, companies or people with uh, lists, audiences, I can really compound that. And so Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi was, was one of those books that really, really helped me along my way. Yeah, great recommendation. Thanks for that. We'll have links to that book and your book on the show notes page for this episode. And you can find that at thehowofbusiness.com. All right, we'll wrap it up. Last couple of questions, Dustin. 
Last parting piece of advice, anything I didn't ask about, especially uh, within this frame of we've been trying to pull out those benefits that there are so many of as to how this applies to a small business owner and developing our presentation skills. Last parting thought. Big thing is this. Oftentimes it's easy to, as a business owner, to talk. And what I mean, not in front of others, but just in your room, in your office, wherever you're at, sell it. So record yourself selling your product or service, get it transcribed. Now you have something to work with. And I know for people that are non-writers, putting words on paper or writing the speech or writing the slides is the challenge. So great, just speak and sell it. You already have ideas. You already have knowledge. It's inside of you. It may not be perfect when it comes out, but at least when you have some clay in front of you, you're not staring at the blank screen. And so get that microphone, record it, get it transcribed, and you can shortcut your way to getting it done quicker. Yeah, fantastic tip. All right, where would you like us to go online to find out more about you and about uh, Speaking Empire? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you enjoy the book, uh, the conversation about the book, I should say, uh, check out nobspresentations.com. It's got all the links to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your favorite place to go get it. And the reason why I want you to go there is because there are bonuses and resources for you to execute quicker. Because listen, I know what it's like. You read a book, you highlight it, you take some notes, you know, have you implemented all the stuff there is to implement? I get it. Read the book, but go get the tools. And then that'll help you a lot quicker. So there's templates, there's emails, there's examples so that you can execute a lot quicker uh, at nobspresentations.com. If you love Speaking Empire or the message uh, that I was talking about about Speaking Empire, want to see the programs that we have access to and the live events that we're doing, check out speakingempire.com. And we do an event a couple times a year called the Amplify Experience. And so that's at amplifyexperience.com. Wonderful. And we'll have links to all of that on the show notes page again. So you can find it there if you didn't have a chance to write it down. Dustin, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thanks for indulging me here and going a little longer than normal. We could go for another couple of hours chatting about <laughs> this topic. So thanks for that. Thanks for being with us today and sharing your knowledge and your experiences. Absolutely. I, I really appreciate it. And Henry, I'll, I'll say this. I'll, I'll squeeze in one last thing. You know, whatever your goal is in life, you know, it could be presentation related. Uh, it could be lose weight. It could be find the love of your life. Whatever your goal is, pick a goal. And what I want you to consider doing is take one small action a day. And one of those actions can be listen to Henry's next podcast, right? You know, subscribe to his emails and, and really listen to what he's saying. Go into Google and research. Watch a YouTube video, right? Just one small action a day in the step towards your goal. And when you do that, you'll have taken 365 actions over the course of a year. Now, here's the secret. Oftentimes, it's not going to take you a whole year to get to where you want to go because you're doing and building this thing called momentum. And so just one small action a day will get you there a whole lot quicker. It'll be less stressful. And so don't do what I did in college and wait till the night before and cram or try to write the paper. Just build momentum. One small action a day. Yeah, I love that. That's great advice. Great advice. All right. uh, This is uh, Henry Lopez. And my guest today was Dustin Matthews. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode of The How of Business. We release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our website at thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.